Welcome, everybody, to episode 11, Thanksgiving edition of the A-Game Podcast. I'm your host, Dan O'Neill. I know I haven't come to you guys a lot on this platform lately, but we're going to try to get back on track in the Spotify realm. Just been extremely busy with basketball and school, but we're back. We have a ton of sports to talk about, and I got to catch you guys up on absolutely everything that happened this week, that happened last week, and that's happened over the last month, frankly. But I'm going to start with the NFL because that is what's on my mind. But thank you guys all. Hope you guys all had a great holiday. I love the support. I'm thankful for all of my followers, my family. It's been a great ride so far. We just want to continue to grow and continue to have fun talking about what we love. So in the NFL today, a lot went on. We had three games. We had three good games, <clears throat> all fairly close. I'm still dealing with a cold, so sorry if I'm low congested, but all fairly close, except for this last one that I just witnessed the Bills destroying the Saints, which I predicted. But the game of the day for me was the Cowboys and the Raiders. Now, the Cowboys, they're coming off a lot of shaky performances. You know, you don't have C.D. Lamb. You don't have Amari Cooper. Some defenses banged up. You don't have Gregory today. The Raiders came in, though, to Jerry's world, and they took advantage of those injuries, pushed it all the way down to overtime, and ended up winning in the final seconds. Carlson had himself a game at the kicking position, and the Raiders ended up winning 36-33, just an absolute shootout, which was what I expected. Two prolific offenses. But if you're the Cowboys, there's a lot of concerns I see. You had, you know, their quarterback had four pass interference penalties. That's something you need to work on. You can't let it seem like the Raiders, who are 5-5, five and five, put up 36 on you if you're going to be a serious playoff contender. That just can't happen. So a lot of takeaways from the Cowboys today that weren't positive. As far as the Raiders go, that division is still wide open. A couple losses from the Chiefs, and you're right there. The Raiders just got to keep plugging away. They've been dealing with a ton of off the field problems with rugs, with Gruden, the list goes on. But they just got to keep plugging away. They got to go game by game and they got to just look forward. Tunnel vision, essentially. But speaking of rugs, just a terrible story, a tragic story. But it seems that the Raiders have guys that can take over for him. Edwards, Zay Jones is a stud. And that's what I've been, that's what I was uh, seeing today as far as how what the Raiders are concerned with. So, like I said, this is one of the first podcasts I've done in a while, so it might be a little shaky. Got to get my flow back, if that makes sense. First game of the day, however, was the Bears and the Lions. A crapshoot. Two terrible teams looking for an answer. If you're a Bears fan, you might be even rooting for the Lions to win this game because you want Nagy out of there that bad. Nagy, after this close win, said he can't... He said, I can't tell you how much this win means... He knows how much it means because he just might have kept his job for another week. So good performance from the Bears. Backup QB, Andy Dalton. He put on a show. He really, really played well. And they just got it. I don't know. They're they're in the point where it's a it's mediocre. They're not in a good spot to get a good draft pick, but they're not in a good spot to make the playoffs. So if I'm them, I just try to win as many games as possible because losing necess- won't necessarily get you a, a top 10 pick. So. Good job from the Bears today, and the Lions just can't buy a win. They haven't won a game all season. They had that tie with the Steelers, but other than that, there's just no positives. Uh, Jared Goff is awful, but I have a weird feeling that the Lions keep him around, and he's a starter there for a long time. It's 
he's one of those quarterbacks that that's a journeyman that that can play in the league for a while that always makes you feel as a general manager that you're going to get more you're going to get more and more and more but you just don't ever get that extra effort from him I guess I should say so interesting in that regard I I don't like Jared Goff I loved him in college at Berkeley he balled out but the NFL just hasn't been the same so wish him the best but the Lions are probably gonna have to move on so the Bears won that game 16-14 Raiders like I said won 36-33 and then Allen threw four TDs in the nightcap and Bills won 31-6 in a blowout so great day of football um if I'm looking at some key takeaways the Saints that was a big loss for them you know Eagles and Niners are licking their chops now they see a little gateway potentially to get into that wild card spot and it potentially make the playoffs the Eagles right now are, are my lock essentially to make the wild card just because of how bad the NFC East is saying that Cowboys are obviously going to win the division but when you look at the football team and you look at the New York Giants they play the football team two more times, they play the Giants, and then they play the Cowboys. But you could be looking at a 10-7 and seven end of the season, um, and that's what you finish with if you're an Eagles fan. So, good sign for them. I think the Niners will get the other spot. I think they will beat the Vikings on Sunday, and I think that'll be a phenomenal game. Offensive showing, kind of like what we saw with, with Cowboys Raiders, but it'll, it'll be close. I, I think the Niners will come out on top there. So, I got Eagles and Niners going there and with the Raiders win today could they maybe make a a wild card push that's always something interesting I know for sure that one of the wild card teams is going to be coming from the north uh it's either going to be the Ray the Ravens Browns Bengals Steelers they're all in a really good position they're all really good and the other one will probably come from the Chiefs the Chargers the Raiders it'll probably come from the Raiders division so that's where it looks right now. If I were to give you a Super Bowl prediction at the moment, I'm still leaning towards the Buccaneers in the NFC just because I know what Tom Brady is capable of come playoff time. And as far as the AFC is concerned, I'd be fine if you say the Bills. I'd be fine if you say the Ravens, even though I see a lot of inconsistency with that defense. But the AFC and NFC are wide open. I don't see any favorites. I have a weird feeling about the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals are playing like the best team in football. They haven't even had Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy is playing like an, an all-star or a pro bowler, I should say. But there's something about them that I don't like. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the way the team is structured, but I don't trust the defense when it comes playoff time. They're going to get the first round by. They're going to get the number one seed, but I see them getting bounced shortly after. Um... And I don't know exactly why. <laughs> it's just a gut feeling for me. I don't like the way the Cardinals ever play in the playoffs. Kyler Murray doesn't seem like that guy in a big game. So those are my concerns. I like what the Rams are bringing, but Stafford is also not that guy in a big game. And I'd be fine if you said Green Bay, they're the most complete team in football right now. That is 100% correct, but they also don't perform in the big game. So when I look at big games and all these teams so close together, I lean towards the Buccaneers because of Tom Brady's experience and, frankly, them being the reigning champs. Moving on to, so that's what I got real quick, Bucks, Bills, Ravens, whoever you want to go in the AFC, even the Patriots, that's fine. But I think the Buccaneers are still the favorites in the NFC, and I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to move on 
to college football really quickly. New rankings were announced at the beginning of this week. Cincinnati sliding into the top four. They'd be in the playoff as far as today goes. Ohio State moved into the two seed. Alabama dropped to three. I love the rankings. I think the committee did a phenomenal job this time around. And after Oregon got upset by Utah, they fell. I believe they're 12 or 13 now. So we got Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, and Cincinnati. All great teams. That Alabama versus Ohio State game would be an absolute shootout. And I'm using this term shootout a lot, terminology, because I know these are just extremely talented offenses where it's going to go back and forth and scores are aplenty. Just score after score after score. Now, Georgia, in my opinion, is not going to lose a game the rest of the season. But I see the top four staying the same. <clears throat> it's going to be interesting come Saturday. We have Michigan versus Ohio State. It's the rivalry, but it's also number five Michigan against number two OSU. The stakes just get that much higher. If Michigan wins and they win handily, they could be in the top four. You know, they could be in the playoff. It is just, it's going to be an exciting Saturday. Georgia plays Georgia Tech. They're going to murder him. We saw Ole Miss play Mississippi State tonight. Matt Corral, he continues to show why he's going to be a top five pick in the draft next year. I love his tools. I love what he's going to bring to the table as an NFL QB. They won 31-21. They're ninth in the country now. Might even move up depending on what the other squads do on, on Saturday. Fresno State also played San Jose State tonight. Ended up winning 40-9. to I'm telling you, Jake Hayner, I watched this dude in person. Jake Hayner is an absolute dog. He's an animal, a lot like Baker Mayfield in college. He could he could compete for a backup job in the NFL. I mean, he's throwing for 360 a game. He was Heisman watch early on when they were upsetting UCLA and doing big things like that. So love the direction college football is trending right now. I'm going to be tuning into that OSU-Michigan game, going to be watching it closely on Saturday, we have Penn State versus Michigan State. That's going to be on ABC and a lot of other good games. So that's what I have as far as college football goes. Staying with college, college basketball has been great. You know, last time I did a podcast, I don't even think we had started college basketball. And even when I was doing my live videos, I don't think we started college basketball, but I've enjoyed every second of it. A lot of people say, College basketball isn't good till March Madness, and I just respectfully disagree. We had Gonzaga, UCLA the other night. That was just incredible. Timmy's showing why he's the best player in the country. Holmgren's showing why he's the top five player in the country. Um, UCLA, in my opinion, is criminally overrated after a, a miraculous run last year. We see this a lot in sports. We see recency bias. We see not valuing a team for their true talent or skill and basically just basing it off of how they're doing in the moment. Not looking at the big picture, and I think that's something that us as sports fans need to take a step back and and realize what's happening. So I don't see UCLA as a true March Madness contender. I really love the way Villanova's assembled. I love Wright as their head coach. He's my favorite coach in college basketball. Love the way that program's run, so I think they're going to make a deep run. It's Coach K's last year. You know, Duke's going to be there. You got Paolo Banchero leading that group, and you just got a ton of other dudes there that are just absolutely dogs. Kansas, Kentucky, you know, I just, I love all these teams. But I think Gonzaga for sure is the front runner. So much depth. Timmy and Holmgren leading the squad. They're going to be difficult. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of tournaments this past weekend. We had Magic Invitational. We had Battle for Atlantis. All that was just a ton of just dogfights of games. Great games. And yeah, I I really enjoyed it. So yeah, we had uh, Alabama getting upset by Iona, which was interesting. You know, I was, I've was i been following their guard, J.D. Davidson, for a while. Super athletic, crazy hair. Um, he was a dog in high school. He's continuing to ball out here in college. Kansas beat uh, North Texas by 12, I believe. And then Michigan State upset UConn. So that was also interesting. Draymond Green would definitely be happy with that one. All right, so as far as uh, college basketball goes, please DM me, comment on Instagram, do whatever you got to do to contact me. We're going to try to keep launching on more platforms, get more content to you. Just kind of crunch time right now with school, with basketball. Um, and even our high school team, we moved up 98 spots today in the state rankings. And right now we're number seven for Division Four, which is amazing. We've had a great season so far. We're four and one, but job is never finished. As Kobe says, job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So, yeah, that's our mentality, and continue to follow college or er, continue to follow our high school basketball team as well. Last thing on college basketball: Tyree Appleby sunk a deep triple last night. His time expired to lift Florida over Ohio State. That was just amazing, and I wanted to talk about that because it was a phenomenal buzzer beater, one of the best in college up to this point in my life. So, really, really good. Never, nothing will ever compare. To the Villanova one, though, to win the national championship. Staying with col- or staying with basketball, I should say, I'm going to move on to the NBA. And I want to say I told you so. I want to say I told you so to absolutely everybody. But the Golden State Warriors are legit 16-2, and two, the best team in basketball by far. And they continue to dominate. They're dominating with ball movement. They're dominating with unselfish leaders. Guys like Juan Toscano Anderson. You have the rookie presence as well with Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody getting time off the bench. You have the vets, Kavon Looney. You have Draymond. You have Andre Iguodala. You have Otto Porter Jr. hitting big threes off the bench. And then you got the young scorer, Jordan freaking Poole. Front runner for most improved. When Clay comes back, he could be a sixth man of the year candidate, averaging 18 a game efficiently. Steph-esque, and it helps when you're learning to bend, again or learning from the best shooter of all time, the best point guard in the league. Also, the Lakers have been struggling. Russell Westbrook, I told you guys. This is another I told you moment because I, I, feel, I feel for it. I told you guys that Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul would have been a much better fit for the Lakers. Maybe even Dennis Schroeder on less money would have been a better fit for the Lakers paying Russell Westbrook 44 million dollars a year to be not efficient now the game of basketball is based off efficiency if you look at Russell Westbrook's pure stats he is a triple double master he he would ball out hypothetically if you don't look at real or true numbers I should say but diving deep into things will show you that he is not a good player not efficient. He hasn't been that guy for the Lakers, and it's been a problem when you you don't know your personnel. Laker or when you have LeBron, you have Westbrook, you have Anthony Davis. I saw Stephen A. I saw Michael Wilbon. They were talking about it. They don't have an identity. They don't know what they are. It's almost like they're playing with an all star team who's really old. They don't know what they're trying to do. They don't know what their goal is basically, and and that's 
cause problems. Now, they won last night. LeBron hit the silencer. It was so tough. Continues to show why he's one of the greats. But that was against Indiana, and you barely beat him in overtime. So if you're going to want to be a West contender, you got to clean this stuff up. I know it's early. I know they're probably still going to make a run in the playoffs because you have LeBron James. But there are concerns for me. Major concerns about their spacing. Major concerns about Russell Westbrook's leadership. And, and just how they're going to be moving forward. Now, I've loved the Brooklyn Nets. I've loved the Phoenix Suns. Those are another two teams I really like. Really like the Bulls. What Caruso brings off the bench defensively is amazing. Lonzo's continuing to blossom, shooting 40% from three. I really like the Hornets. Um, those are just teams to name a few. And I love the Timberwolves upside if they trade for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell would be the ideal trade for both sides. Let's make it happen, NBA. Saw another highly debated topic. This is kind of with college basketball. Who do you want at the number one pick? Shet Holmgren or Paolo Banchero? You know, I don't know. I think Paolo is more versatile. So if you need a guy who's more versatile, go with Paolo. But Shet is going to be a rim. If you think of Evan Mobley, that's what I'm thinking Shet's going to be. But maybe can shoot a little better. Really similar build, similar skill set. They're going to take on the league almost at the same pace. Um, so I would go with Shet if you're looking for a versatile big who can block shots, who can contest shots at the rim. And if you're looking for a shot creator, a guy who can go out there and get you a bucket, go with Paolo. Um, there was also the scuffle between Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James the other night. That was absurd. Um Stewart got fined like a million dollars. LeBron got suspended one game. Uh, Stewart, two games. So, really, really uh, crazy. I love watching little scuffles, though. That's what makes the league fun. Final thing on the NBA. I want to drop some award predictions real quick so I can have them documented. For MVP, I think Stephen Curry is the unanimous MVP at this point. 16-2 and two Warriors. He's averaging 29 Six and six a game. It's been incredible. Night in, night out. He's the best show in all of professional sports right now. We just have to accept that, and we're going to acknowledge it when he's gone. So for MVP, give me Steph. For most improved player, I'm fine with Miles Bridges or Jordan Poole. I like both of those picks. So whatever one you like, Miles Bridges. Best in-game dunker in basketball right now. And then you have Jordan Poole, who's a bucket getter. Averaging 18 a game, scores on all three levels, does it in that way. For Rookie of the Year, this one is a highly debated topic. I think Evan Mobley right now is the front runner for Rookie of the Year. Scotty Barnes has been amazing as well, but Evan Mobley, if you look at the advanced metrics, he is defending shots at the rim better than any big in the NBA, not just rookies, any big in the league. He's elite at shot blocking, great rim runner, and Guess what? When he's out of the lineup for the Cavs, they're much worse. And the Cavs this year have shocked many, many people, many doubters. And that's without their best score, Colin Sexton, for the rest of this year. So for Rookie of the Year, I would give it to Evan Mobley at the moment. For Sixth Man of the Year right now, it's Tyler Hero for me. Now, his sample size is not necessarily enough as a Sixth Man, but I think him and Duncan switching off minutes starting, he could easily get that award. He's scoring kind of like Poole on all three levels, and his defense has improved drastically. So those are the things I highlight. I think he is great at that position. For Coach of the Year, this would be Steve Kerr at the moment, 16-2 and two Warriors, kind of proving a lot of doubters wrong. No one thought they were going to be this good. They didn't know Steph still had 
this in him. So, Steve Kerr for Coach of the Year. Those are the main awards, but I can't wait to see these some of the guys that are injured right now come off of injury like Clay, like Zion, so they can get back in the races of this award. John Morant right now would be my second for MVP because of what he's doing with the Grizzlies team. He's putting Memphis on the map. Even though they're not winning the ton of games, he's putting Memphis on the map. I'd be fine if you also had Jokic in that conversation. He has been the best center in basketball for the last couple of seasons. Last thing I want to talk about on this podcast is the MLB. MLB offseason, the awards just came out. The all MLB teams just came out. I want to dive in. Now, I posted on my Instagram what my predictions were for the awards and what I thought the league was going to vote on. Now, they were almost perfect, except for the fact that the NL MVP went to Bryce Harper when I thought the MLB loving Tatis would give it to him. I love the choice. Harper or Soto was the only right call here. Harper had the best WRC plus on the sport, which essentially means he was the most productive for any team. He was the most valuable, which is what the award is, award is for. Now, Soto, the best hitter in the sport, a top two player only behind Mike Trout. Could have, I could have seen him get this award as well, but the fact is the Nationals were awful. So I think that played into consideration. But other than that, they got a lot of the awards right. I would have loved to see Scott Service win it win AL Coach of the Year instead of Kevin Cash, but I understand what you did there. Uh, let's see what else. I could have. I would have loved to seen Trevor Rogers win NL Rookie of the Year instead of Jonathan India, but I love what they did there. That's totally fine as well. And yeah, for the rest, Otani, obvious choice. Kapler, obvious choice. So they did a great job with the rest of that. And if I were to give you some free agency predictions for the MLB... I think Kershaw is going to end up with the Rangers. I saw, well, Verlander, he ended up with the Houston Astros. Uh, I think Carlos Correa will end up with the Detroit Tigers, reuniting with A.J. Hinch. Probably sign somewhere around a $300 million deal. I think Trevor Story will sign with the St. Louis Cardinals. They have a shortstop position. They need to fill that void. I think he would fit perfectly there. I think Corey Seager, no doubt, this is one of my locks, sign with the Yankees, $200 million contract. They're giving up on Glaber Torres. He hasn't been producing. They can't trust his defense at short. Get Seager in there. He's going to produce for you in big moments. He's going to do his thing. Seager to the Yanks. So those are the big names, the massive names, but there's a lot of other things that could happen. I think Scherzer resigns with the Dodgers, and the list goes on. So that is what I have in the sporting world. I talked so fast today. And this was 23 minutes of nonstop rambling, but I had a ton of stuff to get in. Can't wait for you guys to listen to this podcast. I'm going to be going live once this thing is released at 9 p.m. Great Thanksgiving. Happy thanks to you all. I had a great time talking. I'm going to continue to post and try to do every single night I can just covering sports and giving you the necessary things. Going to be going live on a Q&A after I release this. Feel free to join. Love you all. Happy thanks. See ya.